But we will move on to the Belgium Grand Prix. Ooh. And um, yes, that's the perfect expression for that one. Or oh, noise uh, <laughs> for this race. Because at the start, the, the most almighty crash. And um, yeah, I mean... It, it was a chaotic start because Maldonado oh, yeah, Maldonado jumped the start, start like, <laughs> yeah he jumped the start, start and was like flying of seconds and yeah. um, blooming <laughs> Kamui Kobayashi was like second from Button who was on pole yeah. so it was like a really you know exciting grid when you look at it like that yeah. but uh, it was Roman Grosjean <laughs> poor old Roman and um, you know I like the guy but dearie me this was something <laughs> He absolutely. I mean, he he nearly killed Alonso. Really, when you yeah, look at look back at it, really it was a very serious, you know, yeah. kind of moment. And um, and yeah, uh, to paint the picture, he was alongside Hamilton, wasn't he, uh, Chris? Uh, yeah. Going into turn one, and um, I can't remember. It was either Hamilton or Grosjean. It got squeezed onto the grass. It was um, Grosjean was squeezed onto the grass. Yeah, just... yeah. Literally, he literally did that over the top of like two cars or something, and um, and yeah, just destroyed Alonso's car. Um, I think he took the rear wing of Kobayashi's car, yep. which, which yep. ruined his race. And um, Hamilton think, as well, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, Hamilton's car was in a mess. Yeah, it was like a mm. huge crash. It was one that I I still remember it as clear uh, as day now. It was a, one of the biggest crashes I've ever seen in my life um, in F1, in, as in a first lap collision. And um, and yeah, I think Grosjean's car um, literally was inches away from you know taking Lonzo's head off. Yeah. And like yeah, that incident, yeah, that incident was like where the ha- the halo was needed. It was that yeah. kind of uh, thing. But yeah, and Grosjean got a race ban for that. Uh, I think the most recent race ban we've ever had. I don't think we've had one since. And um, I don't if I think correctly, we haven't. No. No. And um, and yeah, I mean, he had had a lot of. I do remember back then he had a, a lot of controversy around him at this point after that crash because he had had a lot of lap one crashes Chris and um, yeah. it's a shame because it's like when we talk about it now and look at his results he was really good but do you think yeah, this was really a moment that really was like a dent in the confidence uh, getting a race ban yeah I think this one this is like the big wave which kept on flowing throughout his season to be honest mm. I mean throughout his career I'm sorry throughout his career mm. because he had a really good season uh, until this, and I, the media, and I, I mean, back in the days, F1 wasn't too big in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. but uh, it, I, it must have been big as well in the UK. Oh, it's huge! Yeah. Even in the Netherlands, there was like this absolute storm of criticism to this, this poor, this poor French guy. Mm. But um, no, yeah, I mean, d- deservedly, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah. But yeah, this one, this one did have a lot of influence for the rest of his career. Yeah, there was a lot of kind of like you know talk about him after like you know of him being dangerous on the track. I think uh, we'll come to it. But in Japan, like you know, 
uh, Weber's saying there, you know, like, he's just super dangerous on circuit, um, after he took him out there, and, um, and yeah, it was really tough for Grosjean at the moment, and it took until, like, uh, I think the next season, the latter part of the next season, 2013, until he really kind of got his performances back together, and this moment was a bit of a kind of, um, a real wake up moment, uh, for his career, uh, because it was kind of like, yeah. it was crashing, you know, like more than half of the races he was entering, um, and on the first lap as well. It wasn't even like it was, I think that's what's made it worse, Chris, is because it was on the first lap. Yeah. So it's like, you're not even got in the race yet and you're already been in it. Yeah. If you're, it, it, you, it gets you broadcasted a lot as well. Like if you're like halfway through or throughout the end and you spin like, oh, well, that's, that's something that happens. But continuously, first lap crashing is not a good way to uh, get the spotlights on yourself. Absolutely, Chris. And um, it was Jess Button who dominated in the end. It, it, I remember them saying, his dad uh, saying it to the BBC uh, in on the UK TV before the race started. He just wanted a boring race. He wanted the most boring race ever. So he could just get pole and win the race. And that's what kind of happened. After that crash, the race wasn't too exciting at the front, and Button almost won by 15 seconds in the end, and um, picked up his second win of the season, and uh, all was rosy at uh, McLaren and Button, and it was, again, another reminder of what could have been for them in uh, 2012. But um, Vettel picking up a much-needed second place, and uh, from 10th on the grid, there seems to be a massive pattern of this in 2012, of like really, you know, people coming through the pack from like poor qualifying uh, results, and uh, Kimi again on the podium for the first race for the third race running, sorry, and um, a certain Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> uh, fourth as well, a very good result for him, and um, and yeah, it was it was a shame the race kind of it almost got ruined because there was so many front running cars taken out at the start. Yeah. And um, and and so we will now move it on though uh, to oh actually uh, before we move on to Italy there was a, a big moment in between the races and it was the start of the downfall of Hamilton and McLaren now throughout 2012 Hamilton and McLaren yeah, after. Uh, it's all probably started actually in 2011 because of the reliability and just a bad time Hamilton was having on track and off it and how he really got battered by Button in 2011 um, and in 2012 there was the car was quick the McLaren was quick like we've already said but he just couldn't quite get it together and there was a lot of reliability problems and it got really bad towards the end of the season in terms of uh, race wins just getting thrown away and Hamilton decided to tweet supposedly the telemetry of Button oh, um, yeah. after uh, the sessions in Belgium now I wish I was on Twitter at the time because I can imagine that would have I mean imagine if that happened now Chris <sighs> there'd be meltdown meltdown um, yeah. and, and yeah this was really the 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 proper beginning of the of the end for the Hamilton and McLaren relationship, and um, I mean, let's be real, Chris. He it was a gift in disguise for Lewis in the end. 
for Lewis, yeah, it turned out to be really good in both ways. As <laughs> ever since 2012, M uh, McLaren went downwards. Mm. Mercedes were upwards. We're going upwards. Um, so yeah, so it was. It was in the end, it played out well for Lewis Hamilton, but it doesn't. It 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 isn't. It isn't uh, a real sportsmanship or gentlemanship thing mm, to do yeah. to tweet out stuff like this. I believe that back in the days, Twitter was a bit smaller, though. So I. Um, it, w it isn't as big as it's nowadays, but yeah, imagine that nowadays. Like, oh, imagine. Tell me about it. Phew, like you're nuts. Imagine the scenes. It'd have like a million retweets. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. <laughs> and uh, we then move on to Italy. So we are now in the business end of the season, if you like. And um, it was a... Uh, I, I always remember this um, because it had happened the season before as well. But um, this was the, the reverse s situation this time around. Um, and... I always remember this moment where Vettel pushed Alonso onto the grass at a Kerbe Grande. Do you remember this, uh, Chris? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, an, an incredible moment because it was like to watch. It was amazing, really, because it was two cars going, you know, hammer and tong through this very quick part of the Monza track. Um, but yeah, it was quite borderline, wasn't it, from Vettel? Yeah, well, yeah, it was, it was, it's very dangerous. Mm. Um, it's to totally unacceptable, really, for like F1 to <laughs> to push your like your enemy off the track. It's yeah. really unacceptable. But um, it was some great driving by um, <laughs> Fernando Alonso to keep it mm. on four wheels. Uh, well, not really on four wheels, but to keep the car on track. And did he actually overtake Vettel in the end? No, um, he he did hang on to the position. I think that's why there was yeah. quite a bit because I think the year before the other way around, and Vettel got past yep. Alonso on like the on grass. The grass. Um, yeah. But this time around, it was Vettel defending. It's quite funny. Literally the exact same race, uh, back to back years. Um, but I don't know. I always remember that moment for some reason. It was pretty epic, if you like, and. Um, I mean, when you think about it, Vettel and Alonso have had some pretty amazing moments over the years, and even now in Bahrain. Hopefully, you have more of that oh, yeah. of them to fighting it out. Um, but it was Vettel who DNF'd in the end, and um, I remember the Tafosi went nuts because at this point hmm. it really did seem like it was a fight between Vettel and Alonso, and um, and after Alonso had a rare DNF in Belgium from no fault of his own, and that was a kind of a real trend with his season whenever he didn't finish it really wasn't his fault um, but in this case Vettel did DNF because of a, an engine problem I believe and um, and Alonso got third got himself back to his advantage he did have in the standings and um, a Ferrari on the podium they were pretty damn happy about that and uh, it was Hamilton who won uh, by quite some way the McLaren again showed its pace and it yep. um, was very quick on that particular day. And um, I do remember as well, there was a, a very good fight in qualifying between McLaren and Ferrari. Um, and um, and the Red Bulls weren't quite there, as you would imagine, to be fair, because the Red Bull was yeah. a very aerodynamic kind of focus and not really straight line. 
But the Button Renault engine wasn't too quick as well, was it? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like the quickest. Exactly, Chris. And um, Button DNF'd as well. And that kind of really, I remember him seeing him say, you know, that was it. You know, he wasn't going to win the championship then. He was too far behind. And Weber also DNF'd and you would probably put him out. And this is the point where it's like, you know, it was Hamilton, uh, it was Alonso, sorry, and Vettel at the top. He had Raikkonen there or thereabouts. He didn't have the greatest of races um, in that one. Um, well, I say greatest races by, by the previous, he came fifth, but by by the, the run that he was on the podiums. And um, and Sergio Perez, Chris, second place, another one of his standout moments in 2012. The the guy really had an amazing season back in 2012, um, and he really he really showed himself to the to the podium of the um, top tier or uh, pinnacle tier of motorsports. Mm. Um, yeah, he was he was he was quite a surprise as well as Sauber was. Um, Really decent car. It was looked good as well. Looked decent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the main thing to take away from Italy was uh, Hamilton was potentially, potentially back in the fight for the title, and uh, it looked like a four-way fight we were going to have. And um, we rocked up in Singapore, and um, Hamilton again was leading by quite some way. He had pole position, and you're thinking, you know, this is looking pretty good for Lewis. And uh, he's on a bit of a roll here. But reliability strikes again for McLaren. And he ends up retiring. And um, this gifted the win to a certain Sebastian Vettel. Who absolutely walked to the uh, to the win and um, in Singapore. And this was the beginning, wasn't it, Chris? Of the Vettel turnaround, if you like. And um, the Red yeah. Bull got their act together. Red Bull really had an amazing, uh, amazing like end of the season. Uh, you could always say like uh, the Asian, Asian part of the season was absolutely amazing for them. Mm. Um, whereas Europe wasn't too great for them. Uh, the rest of the season, the end of the season was. And well, I uh, back in the time, uh, back in the time, I never really doubted uh, Sebastian Vettel not winning the championship. Mm. But it was like confirmation that yeah. This is this is business. We're now back into it. We're ready for it. Let's get it. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and the big news though after that was Hamilton announced his move to Mercedes, and um, it really did send shockwaves through the grid. And um, there was plenty of people that were saying that. Um, it was the bad. It was a bad move for Hamilton. Yeah. I remember that as clear as day. They a lot of them were saying, "What is Lewis doing? He's yeah. leaving McLaren, who were kind of on the up. Maybe on pace they were, but you know, looking back on it now, you know, maybe not. But they were saying it was a terrible move from Hamilton, and um, I guess they couldn't be so wrong, Chris. This that 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 take turned out to be one of the worst takes in the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, in hindsight, everything everything yeah. can be a hot take or a or a bad take, but this is the one that aged like fine milk on a hot summer's day, <laughs> exposed to the <laughs> lovely summer's weather. Yeah, isn't it? it's it's uh, he's 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 done himself good for that move. Yeah. 
Oh, it's a fantastic decision. I mean, it must have known Mercedes were really focusing on the hybrid era, and yeah. to make that move. And you know, it, I would agree with what some people say. I mean, I do think it was slightly lucky. Don't get me wrong. Nobody surely would have been able to envision, in, imagine, sorry, the the domination that Mercedes would have had for year on year on year. But I would agree with what people have said, where it's like. You know, it's one of the best decisions in terms of a driver transfer ever in F1 because yep. it totally transformed his his career. You know, at this point, he's just a one-time world champion, um, and it's mad to think now, Chris. He's like joined yeah. on seven with Schumacher, um, but I guess that's for another pod. Uh, so we will move on, and um, another with all this, Schumacher did retire. Um, it, it kind of felt like it was coming though, Chris, didn't it? I mean, he had a big crash, I believe, in Singapore as well, Schumacher, and it was a little bit of a shame um, because there was a lot of hype when he returned to the sport, um, but it never quite materialised for him, didn't it? No, his his second his second return of the is like his second entry of the sport, like his return of the sport, wasn't the one that everyone wanted or everyone hoped. He's had his moments of brilliance in his return mm. but in general it wasn't it, it didn't do him any good statistic wise like the return might not have been the best decision of his career in hindsight yeah. it was great to see him back it was great to see him back but it's like yeah I, I don't know it would have been better off maybe to not not go back as a driver and just do something else I do think it harmed his career not yeah. like I think his championships will always be what they are but I do think it harmed his career by not being able to let go I mean don't get me wrong if he stayed on for a couple more years oh, who yeah. knows you know but equally though like people say that but Rosberg you know beat him and beat him well like over those yeah. three years um, it was quite comfortable for Nico but um with all that going on at Mercedes, um, it opened space at McLaren. Perez went into that, and um, you know he, he had a great season. He was he did deserve that. But according to the BBC, uh, from what I've got here, it was a shock because Deresta was heavily, heavily tipped to get that McLaren seat. He'd actually got fourth, his best ever career result in that Singapore race. And uh, he was very heavily, uh, being a Brit as well, well Scottish uh, slash British driver as well, um, he was very heavily tipped to get that, but he didn't. And, well, who knows? Um, imagine, imagine that, Chris, if the rest of it ends up yeah, there. Yeah, would have been a very different story. Um, but it, it's, it, it, there's this thing that, uh, if I could be completely wrong, wrong but as... Um, from what I, I, I take uh, as information, it seems like a lot of British pressure. Yeah. Bias towards yeah, everything it wasn't British that good. in the motorsport of F1. Yeah. <laughs> Perez is like but double so the driver, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Perez is, is way better than Paul Resta. Although, taken, not taken, nothing, ta- uh, nothing taken away from Paul Resta. He's won the DTM Championship as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah so he's he's not a better years, driver. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. Perez would have been a better decision. 
for sure. And um, the next race was Japan, and uh, we can brush over this one quite quickly uh, because we already said Grosjean uh, pummeled into Weber into like <laughs> the turn two, I think it is, uh, the yeah. the back end of the the, the big long sweeping uh, first part of the lap, and um, and yeah, we've um, we've Weber pretty damn angry about that. But also, Chris, Fernando Alonso, um, DNFing. This was a big moment because um, it was the... It, we were right in the business end of the season. Only five races left of the season, I believe. Uh, uh, sorry, six races of the season left. Yeah. And for him to have a DNF like this, with Vettel winning the race from pole in the end, really cruising by 20 seconds in the end, um, this was a bit of a disaster for Alonso, wasn't it? This is, there's nothing that he couldn't use more mm. than this. It's it's a real shame, but yeah, this is this really opened up the championship even more. Mm. Absolutely. Really um, and it, it, this might have been a turning point for Alonso as well. I mean, 25 points in one race is a lot to like gain on your opponent. Exactly, Chris. And when you think about this in Belgium, those two races alone, yeah. I mean, it's huge points lost. But uh, Felipe Massa was second in the end. Um, so, fantastic result for Felipe, and uh, who, who never quite was able to, unfortunately, be at his pace uh, before his, his terrible uh, accident when he had oh, the yeah. spring hit him in the head. And, was that um, the dead year as well? That was actually that was actually oh nine. That was two thousand nine because I remember it came off. I remember it came off the Braun car. Oh yeah. And he missed the rest of the season and um, and he came back for twenty ten and those other seasons and he's very much second fiddle to Alonso. But it just you know this is someone who went right down to the wire with Hamilton in oh eight for the title, and unfortunately for Massey, just never quite was able to replicate it again in the Ferrari. Um, and he's a talented driver as well. It was good when he went to Williams afterwards, yeah. but it wasn't on the same level, unfortunately, before for Felipe. And um, but the big one uh, and the one we were talking a little bit about off off um, uh, earlier on in this pod, Chris was Kamui Kobayashi gets oh, his yeah. one and only uh, podium in Formula One. Um, at his home race, the Japanese Grand Prix, from f- from like third on the grid to third, another fantastic drive for yeah. the Sauber. I remember like the Japanese people going absolutely hand mm. when he crossed the line. It was it was really good television to see because Kamui was quite a likable driver. He yeah, wasn't yeah. like a bad guy, and Sauber was like this team that surprised every so often this season mm. so it it was it was really nice to see and a, a decent drive really good drive as well but especially when you look at the guys who's who he's kept behind him yeah Jensen Button Lewis Hamilton Kimi Raikkonen Nico Hülkenberg well Nico Hülkenberg well that's 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 Nico well it's for India but then the Lord he kept the Lord behind him uh Mark Webber the big name as well Schumacher those are like Guys in better cars than the Sauber was. Yeah, absolutely. He, he finished third. Hats off to that. To him. He, for that. It, 
it was an amazing result and uh, he hung on from button I remember right at the end it was very close and um, I think you know button is very well uh, respected in Japan because uh, at the time yeah. his girlfriend was Japanese but there couldn't be anyone more you know perfect to be on the podium uh, than Kamui Kobayashi for the Japanese fans and it was an amazing moment and I feel like it almost gets forgotten about slightly Chris because of how good 2012 was oh yeah 2012 was, looking back on it, it was even better than you imagine it. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many moments that are forgotten because the rest was so good, not because it wasn't good, but mm. the rest was even better. And this is definitely one of those moments. Well, there's so much other layers uh, that, you know, if we, 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 we can't possibly talk about as much. And there's other teams, uh, such as Toro Rosso, and uh, all the the bat markers like HRT, Catrum, and Marussia, um, we we are you know they weren't they didn't really have any ma- massive moments in the season. So for those that are waiting for the moment, uh, we're, we're unfortunately we've got so much to rattle through. Uh, that's not quite been able to to squeeze into it. But um, we've only got a couple of races to go though, uh, Chris. And um, the next one we can skim through this one pretty quickly uh, because it was another win for Vettel it was third on the trot um, and it was the Korean Grand Prix and Red Bull absolutely dominated this one didn't they because uh, yeah. they got the 1-2 which we I don't think it was the, one of the very very few 1-2s in the whole season yep it was a very rare 1-2 by uh, Red Bull and um, and it's yeah one two for them and Alonso with the podium so he kept in amongst uh, the pack and uh, the only other thing well I guess I could say this about them Toros got a double points finish which wasn't too bad for them and um, and yet yeah, Jensen Button had another DNF which further compounded his kind of well not miserable season but a, a very much what could have been so not much to say about Korea not the greatest well well, I don't know. What was your thoughts on the Korean track? Uh, Korean track, sorry, uh, Chris. Did you like it, or was it a bit meh for you? It was kind of a weird one. <laughs> it's a track where I don't. I I remember driving it often, mm. but not having great memories of it, yeah. or something like that. I mean, they they had like great plans with it. They wanted to build like a whole city around the track, which was amazing. Yeah, it was a very fun idea, but. It was a weird, weird track, was it? Just never quite happened. Um, yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, there will be another podcast for this in the future about the F1 game, uh, the upcoming one. But uh, they announced today there's some classic tracks getting added, and you know it would be up there uh, because of the oh, nostalgia. Yeah, because I think a track like that in today is quite good, but. Yeah, it just never quite... Matured. And there was no fans there as well. It was a very yeah. uh, empty circuit. It's a weird country to host a Grand Prix racing as well. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it could be worse. It could be North Korea. Uh, I yeah, will add, this is South Korea, not not North, <laughs> if you weren't watching F1 then. Yeah. Um, but no, we will move on from that. And um, and the next one, we won't talk about too much as well, because this at this point in the season, it was Vettel domination. It was like 2011 and 2013 and he really was clawing the gap uh, down to Alonso and um, 
four wins on the trot uh, at this point. And uh, yeah, Vettel dominated the Indian Grand Prix. Uh, a pretty good track, actually, I think, Chris. I don't know what your take is on that circuit. And it, I feel like it was a shame that it was only on the calendar for like a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good track, but once again, a very very weird place to hold a Grand Prix, and mm. it, it the Indian and uh, and South Korean Grand Prix do really fall into like the the thing that occurred with F1 during the time that they wanted more exposure towards like the other parts of the world. Therefore, mm. they did like these weird, well, rather uh, rather interesting places for Grand Prix because mm. Bernie Ecclestone didn't do it correctly, like pushing out the f it was a very very weird time during F1 with tracks and locations but it wasn't a bad track it wasn't it wasn't a bad track absolutely and um, and Grosjean uh, no this was next year Grosjean I need to shut up about that I was thinking about that for ages and it's like I've got the wrong year <laughs> Grosjean got his amazing result in India in 2013 so I won't say that <laughs> here because we're in 2012 I need to forget about that um, but yes it was um, a, a good uh, result for Alonso on the podium with Weber as well and um, and yeah it was again a bit of a mech kind of race it just passed by um, but it was more building up to the to the final three races uh, Chris where it was all kind of bubbling up quite nicely uh, with Vettel now hunting down Alonso. Alonso did not have that quick of a car, as we knew, but he had really managed to somehow just get the results out of that car, and um, he was very much the, um, well, I don't know what expression to use, but he was just getting hunted down uh, by Vettel. But this didn't happen in Abu Dhabi. Um, Vettel got pole I believe but like Hamilton in Spain the car stopped in qualifying and um, he yeah. was sent to the back of the grid and somehow managed to claw back a podium and um, with also a stunning overtake around the outside of Button towards the end of the race but a really really top drive and also kind of showed how fast that Red Bull now was Chris oh yeah definitely um, uh, that Sebastian Vettel drove an amazing race from the back from the back of the grid towards that uh, podium finish, and it really showed Prime Vettel and maybe even Prime Red Bull who really had an amazing car by the point of uh, at the end of the 2012 season. Mm. Absolutely, and um, and it was a very close finish in that race, and another driver who who was really kind of should have won that race again Lewis Hamilton retired uh, quite uh, quite early on actually when I look back on it now it didn't feel like that but Hamilton was leading the race by quite some way and then pulled over and another win was got he could have had like five or six wins this season oh, talking yeah, about it now it's yeah. crazy but um, the quote I've got here it was um Christian Horner said Vettel said to him after the qualifying I'll uh, I'll see you on the podium um, for the end of the race so Vettel was just in that full on 
peak mode. I, I, there was no better Vettel in this time where it was like the Red Bull was good and Vettel was like really on it. Um, and it was a stunning drive to get on the podium. But um, to, to recap the race, um, there's a big crash for Rosberg. Uh, do you remember this, Chris? Uh, over the top yeah. of a HRT. Um, yeah. It was quite terrifying, wasn't it? It, it's it's it was quite terrifying. Yeah, it was. Um, scary crash. And mm. back in those days, the cars didn't have halos and stuff. And over the top crashes are always weird. Wasn't it like a first lap incident? Yeah, it was like right at the yeah, start of the yeah, race. Yeah, but it was in the hotel like the section, first, wasn't it? Before, yeah. Or was it before it happened? Right, I could be I'm wrong. Try, I'm I, trying I, to remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very freak incident, to mm. say the least. Absolutely. And that actually, under that safety car, Vettel did hit, um, it, uh, hit the DRS board, which meant he had to change front yeah. wing and lost all those positions he gained at the start. I think it was Daniel Ricciardo, wasn't it, that he blamed it on, or something like that. Yeah, um, it was a um, SRT, so a Toro Rosso was yeah, waving, yeah. and he did something weird and just decided to, he had to, to go out of his way for the Toro Rosso. And just smashed the DRS board. Yeah, and <laughs> Vettel was furious. I remember him saying, like, "What was he doing?" and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, and all of this going on with Hamilton's DNF as well, Kimi Raikkonen finds himself in the lead of the race. And leave um, me alone! I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, famous quote that. <laughs> the one. famous moment on the radio. Uh, because there was a safety car for a crash with Weber and somebody else towards the end. It was, a, it was probably the best ever Abu Dhabi race. I'd, I'd oh, generally yeah, say that. Because you had Vettel coming through and you had all this drama at the front. And yes, Raikkonen said that because um, he had Alonso right on his tail uh, for a good chunk of that race. And... Um, and Vettel was close at the end, quite fortunate with the safety cars and um, the DNFs, but, he, you know, like I've already said, got button, and it, and Raikkonen was hanging on, he really having to uh, to hang on for that win, and uh, finally got it, uh, Chris, and it was his only win in that season, but a very good yeah. season. an amazing season, and quite surprising for him to only have, like, this one win, but still an amazing season in that Lotus, uh, an amazing return to the sport. Mm. To say the least. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, yeah, really, really good race it was as well. Really fun to watch. This is a perfect time actually to bring in uh, a question from the TFR inbox from uh, once again Swip, and he says um, his question is here. So the wording of it isn't amazing, so I'll I'll, I'll try and get it sorted. But essentially, he's coming. He's asking here with. Um, did uh, Raikkonen had such a great season with Lotus, but Grosjean had less than half the points uh, at the end of the season. Did Raikkonen get the max out of the car, or is it just because of how good of a driver he was and how bad you could kind of say Grosjean was in that season? Ooh, so, um, no, I do think that that car, that 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 Lotus was definitely capable. You could see mm. it from like in the beginning of the season they had like this second third in Hungary wasn't it and um it was a capable car it mm. was i think it was the bet one of the best lotuses ever well in like recent history um but yeah i do think towards the end of the season he definitely t- 
took the max out of the car. Um, and obviously Grosjean had had lost all of his confidence by now, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. He was falling down. Raikkonen wasn't. Raikkonen was really getting into it. Um, it, it it's a combination of. I, I do think that the driver team combination worked really well. The driver car combination. Absolutely, and it was uh, Lotus's first win in 25 years under that name. And um, it was obviously actually the same kind of team that's been behind Renault and people like that yeah. all over the team time. Anstone. Yeah, that's the one, Team Anstone. And um, but a fantastic result for them. Um, but we are nearly at the end of this 2012 season. This will be um, two parts, so do not worry. But we have been doing this in a marathon, one take, yeah. and um, we are nearly there. We've only got two races to go. And we have the first ever American Grand Prix uh, as the penultimate round of the season. It's quite weird, this, because we had Abu Dhabi, not the last race of the season, it was the third last. Yeah. Um, but the first race at Cota, um, should I say, it's not the first ever American race, but uh, the first race at the Circuit of the Americas. And um, it was very interesting because there was a lot of talk about it, you know, first uh, race back in America and a lot of hype about that but it was proper mind games now for the title race and I've got here Massa even took a deliberate penalty as in a change of the gearbox to move Alonso yeah. up the grid and I mean you know I mean they're allowed to do it aren't they but it's yeah, like yeah. It's, to it's, that it's level weird. Yeah, um, it, it's 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 an, it's really is another level it's well, this is the thing, because Vettel had pole, um, and this is the thing, Vettel in the second half of 2012 was so dominant, he was really on it, and um, and yes, uh, Alonso, uh, yes, he was actually had a poor qualifying, he was down the order in ninth, I've got it here, so, I mean, that you wonder, was that really necessary for them to get Massa to do that, but, um, but in the race... Uh, it was Lewis Hamilton who caught and passed Vettel. Do you remember this, Chris? It was um, a, a pretty good race from Hamilton to to beat Ham uh, to beat Vettel. Sorry, purely on pace. I I do believe I remember him. Yeah, overtaking him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do, I do, I do, I do. I do. Oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, and and it was another win for Hamilton. You know, um, thinking about all this now, it's such a missed opportunity for them, and he was, you know, well out of it by this point. It had too many DNFs, and um, Eddie Jordan on BBC said that McLaren had blew the title, um, and it was theirs to win that season. And um, Red Bull had also sealed the constructors in USA, and uh, it was a good job done for for them. And uh, Vettel had now taken the lead of the championship off a certain Fernando Alonso. Alonso had finished on the podium, though, in America to keep the gap pretty damn close. But, um, but yes, in my opinion, the next race, the finale of 2012, one of my favourite races of all time, Chris. Um, wow, it, uh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable, an unbelievable race, and actually quite sad I couldn't see it live oh no yeah. oh my god I feel so sorry for you now I had to look it back yeah well 
2010, it was uh, uh, 2012. It's almost like 10 years ago. Mm. It's, it's weird to think about. It's almost 10 years ago. But uh, I don't know where I was back in the day, but I do remember not looking at it and looking at the replay. Mm. Um, what a Grand Prix it was. Was this like the Grand Prix that um, Vettel also didn't have any radio? Yeah, they had radio issues yeah. all the way through. Yeah. But we'll 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 delve into yeah. the yeah. beginning <laughs> of this race because you could just do one podcast on this race. But um, but it is the finale of 2012, and um, it was a pretty basic qualifying. I'm just looking at it. it, it yeah, it was a McLaren one two. So again, McLaren is super quick. Um, Weber third, Vettel fourth, and Alonso with another. Uh, poor session, Dan Nave, just when he needed the result, out-qualified by Massa as well. Uh, so yep. not great from Alonso, to be honest, thinking about it there. However, it was all about the race, that's when you needed the points. Alonso had to finish a minimum of third to be in the championship position, and Vettel, I believe, needed a top seven finish or something like that, Chris. Um, but um, at the start, it was a bit of a cautious start from Vettel. It was a cautious start from the championship leader. It has not played out for him. Locking up a brakes and there goes Kimi Raikkonen wide and off the track. And was that... Uh, oh, oh it's, look, it's a Red Bull. It's a Red Bull. It's Sebastian Vettel in the middle of the track. It's the worst possible scenario for Sebastian Vettel. And then, yes, we got down uh, to the next few corners and that moment, Chris... With Vettel Ooh. and Bruno Senna, of all people. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I know you've said you didn't see it live, but when I was watching it, I was like, that is it. I thought that, I mean, I just could not believe it. I was gobsmacked. What were you like? Well, this the funny thing. I could, I didn't see it live, but I also turned off like every news thing. Mm. Sorry, I got a sneeze almost. <laughs> I've no, almost got right. a sneeze, but um, <laughs> everything from uh, every notification from the F1 I turned down, so I didn't know who was champion. Mm. So my reaction was like, "Oh well, that's not too good, was it?" <laughs> I was like, "As a, Im- imagine this as a Vettel fan, yeah. as a Vettel fan seeing that in a championship fight. Well, it didn't really do me any good." Lost ten years of my life th- during that five minutes. <laughs> those five minutes. Yeah, it 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 was serious damage to the car, and um, and yeah, it, all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, this could actually happen. And I've got a quote from, from Christian Horner here saying, uh, it was over, uh, in his opinion, in like he, that's what he was thinking in that moment. And uh, they, I remember the car came in the pits and they got pictures of it. And Adrian yeah. Newey was like on the pit wall looking at a picture of the uh, the side pod of the car. And it was all panic stations at Red Bull. But um, Fernando Alonso made, I will say right now, one of the best overtakes I've ever seen, um, in my opinion, in Turn 1. Double overtake on Mass. I know it was his teammate, but on Massa and Weber um, at the end of that first lap and it was this was kind of moment fun. of Vettel had you know was in the lowest of lows and Alonso all of a sudden was just in he was in I think he was in championship position it was just this yeah. sensational yeah. move he was that he was back then though during those laps he was yeah and 
absolutely phenomenal move indeed and um, just really once again showing what Fernando's capable of really such absolutely. an amazing driver uh, I totally agree and um, you know that'll stick with me for ages because I just remember just this incredible late breaking move and two cars on a greasy track uh, yeah. I haven't said that actually it was very much conditions weird uh, yeah you're right it was proper like uh, Brazil uh, jungle kind of weather really it was like very um, humid and like it, the track would be dry at some points soaking wet others um, and then that actually caught out Alonso a couple laps later um, he had an almighty moment uh, oh, yeah. coming into turn one actually before his next one and he actually lost the position I think this was the, he lost the position there at this moment to Hulkenberg um, because he went straight on from turn one, and um, but he was still in a good position at this point, and um, and Hulkenberg at this point was absolutely flying along, but Alonso then the rain started to fall, and he made, I mean this is what I say, Alonso in this season was just unreal, and I'm not even a f massive fan of him, but he made an incredible save, just coming out of the senses, Chris, talk us through it. That was, you like he had he went on the curbs, was it? Yeah. He had like this snap oversteer. And those cars back in the days, they were like, you had quite decent amount of grips, but they were quite snappy. Mm. You could see it from the onboard. So those cars were quite snappy. But once you lost them, you really lost the cars. Yeah, and yeah. he just had a, an am amazing, amazingly great snap oversteer. And he just drunk if it's yeah. real. I can only make the sound. Full lock. Yeah, full lock. And he saved it on full speed as well. Yeah, like and that, that could have been it. That could have been it right there. Yeah. Binder, and obviously, you know, in the end, it didn't quite go his way. But, you know, that was incredible to see. And, like I say, he had a poor qualifying, but, boy, did he make up for it in the race. He had an amazing race. Um, but, um, next up, though, Nico Hulkenberg is absolutely flying along. He's found his way past... Um, Lewis Hamilton after Hamilton I think they they screwed up on the pit stops and um, and then yeah this amazing commentary moment from Martin Brundle uh, and he's just like and Hulkenberg's to the lead it's like down the straight on button he just gets an amazing run at him and just goes flying past now with different scenario and Jensen then getting a little bit out of shape there and that's put Hulkenberg onto him might well be an easy pass down the outside Jensen gonna have to get brave on the brakes chooses not to do so Hulkenberg takes the lead unbelievable and, you know at this point in the season though Chris we hadn't had as many crazy results no, but Hulkenberg no. was just having again having the race of his life he was so fast if there was one race that Hulkenberg could have and maybe should have won it was this race he was absolutely flying during this race mm. but then he got tangled ah uh, I know I know it's, it's, <laughs> I had I had my moment of like joy there thinking yeah. of Hulkenberg leading a race and then yes uh, it was the bat marker wasn't it it was a bat marker it was like was it yeah. a, a Catrum or what are they what were they called back then yeah it was Catrum yeah um, and it was it was when it was again in the crossover point, and um, Hamilton had found his way back up to the front. I think actually Hulkenberg had had a little spin, had a little half spin. It lost the lead and was, you know, chasing down Hamilton, and was alongside into turn one. 
and um, and had the move done, but uh, got a little swapper on, and boom, that was it. He was went straight inside and took both of them out. Took Hamilton out of his final ever race for well, I say final ever, who knows? But his final race for McLaren at the time, and um, and uh, I mean Hulkenberg didn't DNF, but he did get a drive-through penalty, I believe, Chris. Yeah, he did get a he did get a penalty, I believe. Yeah, and he ended up fifth. So that's not too shabby, but mm. it was a podium that he threw away. Oh, makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, I yeah. I almost care more about him winning that race than like Schumacher. You know, like how some people go nuts about oh, if only Schumacher, you know, got the win in Monaco and things like that. Yeah. Or I wish Hulkenberg won that race because it would have been. Oh, yeah. Just such a fantastic moment. It would have made his career. I mean, he still had a good career anyway, but that podium thing's always haunted him. Just that one win, yeah. Um, podium at least. Exactly. And uh, the next chunk of the race, it was kind of just survival for everyone, really. I think they realised, you know, it's such a wild race. Let's just get to the end of it. And um, Vettel had found himself up near the championship positions, uh, Chris. And I think he had a bit of a, a handful trying to get past some cars like Kamui Kobayashi, who um, yeah. I, I think he had talk us through it, Chris, if you can remember it. He, Kobayashi just he was like he just didn't care there was a title fight going on. Um, he was just super aggressive. Um, I don't know if you remember it. I'm trying to wrap my brain. Well, to to like talk us through, I I I don't. Yeah, I, I can't remember, remember it as fondly uh, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, uh, but I remember like Kamui Kobayashi absolutely not giving anything about yeah. the championship fight and just yeah, wanting his points. Exactly. to him for that. That's the thing. And um, but it was uh, Michael Schumacher in his final ever race. I am um, yeah. arguably kind of just let Vettel through uh, to put him in the championship position. Almost quite fitting. You know, Schumacher yeah. going out and letting his fellow younger German come through to be in the championship position. And it was so it was still very touch and go at this point though, Chris. Um but it was Paul DeResta. Good old Paul DeResta. Uh <laughs> DNFing on the start finish straight, properly binned it as well. I think it was when it was chucking it down with rain. And yeah. um the safety car came out and um and that okay. was that. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite a shame, isn't it, though? Like, that the season yeah. ended under the safety car. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it was an amazing race, an amazing season, but quite sad to see it end under the safety car, yeah. Mm. That's the thing. And, um, and yeah, Vettel had somehow won the, his third ever Drivers' Championship um, after, you know, a, a crazy kind of race. And uh, Alonso... Ended up second, but it just wasn't quite enough. And I always yeah. remember, yeah. I always remember, Chris, that look. Oh, oh it's so sad. So, it so is. sad. It was um, Fernando Alonso, the driver, which really got me into Formula One back mm. in 05 or 06. And um, it, 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 it was sad to see him like that. He put on an amazing. T- Absolutely. He, 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 if there's anyone who ever deserved that, you know, time, you know, I'm totally neutral, but 
Alonso almost did deserve to win that championship. Oh yeah, it was incredible, and um, and yeah, it was a real kind of like you know, oh, I can't believe I've not won this type moment, and yeah. um, and yeah, Button won the race. Um, his last ever win for McLaren, and the last ever uh, to this date win uh, for the McLaren as well. I can't believe that that McLaren have not won a single race since the finale in 2012. It's all gone downwards for for them ever since. Yeah, which up again. Yeah, let's hope they can get in the mix again. But um, but no, it was a a fantastic race to end the season, and um, it was yeah Vettel with an an amazing kind of you just couldn't believe it. Red Bull couldn't believe it. I remember the celebrations, Chris. It was wild. Yeah, celebrations were amazing. <laughs> they were, uh, back in the day, Red Bull really was the party team. I mean, mm. I remember them entering the sport like a modern-day Heskett. Heskett, yeah, Heskett. Yeah. They yeah. were a big party team. It was amazing to see them as happy as they were. Absolutely. And um, and our final question from Swip. Do you think that, like... You know, Alonso can almost be happy because of his performance in that season, and he never oh, really had the right to be there. Or yeah. do you think, ah, oh, you know, he had a big lead earlier in the season and it just didn't quite. You know, what what's your take on that? Do you think like he should have won that season? No, I think he, he should be very happy with himself after such a season. I mean, the mm. car was really, it wasn't allowed to be in a title fight. Yeah. He dragged it into a title fight, and he made the best out of it this, during the season. But in the end, yeah, he, he lost the championship, which was it was sad to see. But I think that he can be really proud of himself during that season. This season were like, was like prime Alonso. Mm. Absolutely. It was to see. And um, and that is that. Um, the the season that ended, and um, unfortunately, the next one was. N- not nowhere near as good <laughs> as um, 2012, but only three points in the end separated Vettel and Alonso, and um, in the end, Kimi was like 70 points behind, um, and both McLarens were uh, just under 100, uh, with Weber finishing sixth in the standings, and uh, even someone like Nico Rosberg and Perez who both had good seasons, and uh, even Kobayashi and Hulkenberg, they were right down the order. They were 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And even Schumacher was 13th, 13th. in the standings. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, and Lord Pastor, like, half of his, almost half of his points were just from that win <laughs> in Spain. Which is absolutely nuts. But, um, an amazing season, Chris. And, um, yeah. I guess it's the 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 question to ask to round it all off. Is it the best season in modern F1 history? Mm, looking at the title fight, because it was it was such an open title fight, especially mm. during the earlier stages of the season. I do think it is. Yes. I would uh, agree. And the only thing that comes near it is 2016, but that wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a title fight between like two different manufacturers. Yeah, so yeah. It's always less great than a title fight between like a lot of drivers with a lot of manufacturers involved. 
Exactly, and I think this is the thing. Um, it was so competitive. We've never seen anything like it in most seasons ever, really, in F1, where yeah. we've had so many different winners, and it was just mayhem. And um, let's hope when the new regulations come in into F1 in the future, we can have something like that again. Uh, but, well, we will round it off at that. This has been a two-part series of this first episode of the uh, the, f- the F1 Moments Revisited series. Uh, I've been joined by Chris. Thank you very much, Chris, for yes. for uh, for Thank doing this. For it's time. been a marathon of a <laughs> of a podcast <laughs> for us, marathon, for us. But a good marathon, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah, fun. yeah. It's been fun looking back on it. And uh, and yeah, uh, you'll if you enjoyed this this type of podcast make sure you like it share around with people and uh, if you're on youtube make sure you subscribe as well but uh, that has been that and uh, yeah we'll see you in the next one